0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off of your first order. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. We're going to talk about a interesting take on how a shortened season could affect the Reds in 2020. Going to jump into all of that and why I believe the take is wrong. But before we do, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter. At Jeff Gar with three apps, and follow the show at Locked On Reds on pretty much any social media channel you can think of. Also, save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513 549 0159. All right, so today uh, this episode is dropping on Monday, the 22nd, would have been the third straight Monday in a row that the Reds were off. They would have just finished up a series with the Cardinals and looking to take on the Cubbies at Great American Ballpark for a three-game set. Could have been interesting there. But, alas, here we are. We're still looking for baseball, still waiting for the decision. When I last left you, it seemed like we had made progress. It seemed like there were optimistic feelings about a season being decided upon, and we're still in limbo. We're still waiting. The The only official thing that we know is the owners have drawn a line in the sand and said we will not accept any plan of more than 60 games. So now the ball is back in the players' court. We'll see what they do with it. Some reports are that they're going to reject it, and Rob Manfred will still just have to officially set the schedule. It seems as though the concrete start date is July 19th, as they mentioned in their 60-game proposal to the players. So they are still telling teams to prepare for that, and we'll have a three-week spring training and all that stuff before that. And ramp up. So, with that being said, let, let's pretend, and I'm sure the details will be a little bit different, but let's pretend it's agreed upon that 60 game schedule. It's an interesting notion to look at. The Reds were 28 and 32 last year in the first 60 games, and that is to no fault of the pitching. The pitching was pretty good in the first 60 games. They had an ERA just slightly under 3.7 as a total, and it's interesting because I was reading, I was catching up on some pieces in the Enquirer talking about the Reds and talking about baseball and all this other stuff, and there was a Reds Extra column written by John Fay. John Fay wrote that a shortened season would dramatically affect the Reds, especially in the pitching staff, because the strength of the team is the starting rotation, and when it comes to good teams in baseball and good rotations, they are built for the long haul. They're built for a long season, and shortened seasons will dramatically take away that advantage. But he also really hit more on one other point. He was talking about the bullpen's performance, talking about how the bullpen was not very highly ranked. I think they were 18th in the major leagues all last year. Here's the thing about that, though. When we're looking at a 60-game schedule, and he even mentions this as well, is that in a 60-game schedule, every single game is magnified a lot more. I mean, you could about say three times more important than a game in 162 games. You know, know, whatever. We're not going to assign a number to it, but it's going to be more important. And David Bell managed the first half of last year as if every game was Game 7 of the World Series. He's probably actually going to need to do that this year. It's kind of funny that that's the way he first approached it. But when you think about it in this manner, he mentioned that the bullpen ERA wasn't great. And when you look at it, 4.18 last season, yeah, it could definitely be a lot better. And he belabored the point that the Reds did not really address it during the offseason, the only thing they did was sign Pedro Strope, and then they had a couple of minor league contracts with invites to spring training to guys like Nate Jones and Tyler Thornburg and just, you know, flyers that they were taking on them. Not necessarily guys that you were expecting to really help out the bullpen. He's missing one big point here, though. That is through the entire season, and that is including months like June and July that the bullpen absolutely Blew up. If you go on a baseball reference and you look at the pitching splits for the Reds last season, the relievers absolutely lost their way in the middle of the season. And then, especially, you know, into August and stuff like that, the ERA was astronomical. Partly because David Bell was managing every game, like game seven. But this happened after the 60 game mark. In the first 60 games of the season, the Reds' bullpen ERA was pretty phenomenal. They were sitting on 3.6, 3.64 ERA in 212 and two-thirds innings pitch during that 60 games. Pretty nice number, especially considering that's more than a half run less than their overall ERA for the rest of the season. Now, I didn't go through and look at every single team's bullpen ERA for the first 60 games, but I imagine that that ranks a lot better than their finishing 4.28 ERA, and it's even more phenomenal when you remember some of the names that were in the bullpen that early going. Wandy Peralta. Zach Duke. Remember Zach Duke? Yeah, Zach Duke was here. David Hernandez. And as much as David Hernandez was awesome a couple of years ago, he was not good at all in 2019. And you still had those guys, and you still had an amazing bullpen ERA. You had phenomenal performances from Amir Garrett and from Michael Lorenzen. Robert Stevenson looked pretty good early on, and a guy who we thought May had put his job on the hot seat based on how well he pitched for the remainder of the season. Rysel Iglesias actually had a really good first 60 games. In those first 60 games, he had 25 appearances with a 3.04 ERA. Not bad. Not bad at all. Now, you know, it's not going to, you know, we're not talking about like a Cy Young for a reliever type of numbers there, but still much better than his ERA ended up being there at like 4.1 at the end of the season, over a run better than that. And it's interesting when you think about it because you're like, okay, well, yeah, sure, you could probably argue that the Reds could have done more to address their bullpen. You could also probably argue that every team in the major leagues can do more to address their bullpen. But that's looking at a 162-game schedule. When it comes to 60 games, I don't know that it's that big a deal and and we can look at this more in depth here in just a minute plus I wanted to look at some of the names that uh, John Faye didn't mention any particular names as to who the Reds could have looked at to bring in during the free agency period but we're going to look at some of the bigger names and compare their deals to deals that the Reds gave to other players that I think was a good idea to give to but first, a word about our favorite sponsor, Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have amazing flavors. If you're a peanut butter guy, they got peanut butter chocolate. If you're a chocolate chocolate girl, they got chocolate chocolate. If you coconut, mint, whatever you got. They got fruit flavors, all of it, and it's completely healthy for you too. If you're like me and you're on Weight Watchers or something, you try and track your points through Weight Watchers, a built bar is only three points. Very nice little snack. Now, and you can go to builtbar.com and enter the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order. Built bar is a great company. as well, they send you all kind of great stuff through email as far as like deals following your first purchase. Like I got a ten dollar gift card. I can't speak to everybody. I don't know if they do that for everybody, but I got a ten dollar gift card after I put my first order in. Very. Awesome company to work with. Check out BuiltBar.com for the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code LOCKEDON for ten dollars off your first order of Built Bar today. And if you like to do your own maintenance on your car, or if you're looking for a great deal on parts for your car, check out Rock Auto dot com rock auto's got all the parts your car will ever need at the best prices that you can find and they've got pretty much every single make and model of a car that i've ever heard of and some that i don't even know and i consider myself a pretty big fan of cars you just go to their website they have a drop down list on the left side that makes it easy to search for your car and the part that you need even if you're not exactly sure what that part is and like i said Great prices to go along with it. Or if you're more detailed than that, you know what kind of brand of part you like, you know exactly what kind of part you need, you can pinpoint that brand on rockauto.com. Get it shipped to you and get it put on your car, either by you or by a mechanic. Because trust me, when you go to these stores and stuff like Advance Auto and things of that nature, they have all these different tiers of pricing based on whether you are a professional mechanic or you're just trying to do it yourself. Rock Auto doesn't do that. they got one price for everybody, and it's a low, low price. Check them out at rockauto.com. And when you check out in the how did you hear about us section, type in Locked On to let them know that Locked On Red sent you. That's rockauto.com. All right, so John Fay was looking at the bullpen and saying that that's going to be a major downfall in a shortened season, which I firmly disagree with as the Reds bullpen in the first 60 games of last year was phenomenal. Now, of course, the Reds' record wasn't that great. It was 28 and 32 in that first 60 games, but that was not to the fault of the pitching. The pitching itself overall was pretty good. It's just they didn't want to score any kind of runs for their pitching and help them out. That's something that the Reds addressed. And it's interesting because John Fay noted that the Reds really didn't do that much in free agency. They only signed Pedro Strope to a bona fide major league deal, everyone else was minor league deals with invites to spring training i.e. they're hoping they can get something of them, but they're not expecting anything from the guys like Nate Jones and Tyler Thornburg and, you know, guys like that. So I did some looking to see where some of the top-tier relief pitchers from the free agent market, where they went, what they signed for, all that kind of good stuff. The number one dude, Will Smith, San Francisco's closer last year, was an absolutely phenomenal dude to finish out the games. He signed with Atlanta three years and $13.3 million per year. Three years, $40 million total. The Reds weren't going to do that. So let's mark, let's mark Will Smith off altogether. Then we go down the list one more to Drew Pomeranz. Drew Pomeranz signed for four years at $34 million, $8.5 million per year. The Reds weren't really going to do that. I mean, you look at these top guys: Pomeranz, Harris, Will Harris signed for eight million at three years, or eight million per three years, up to twenty-four million. Daniel Hudson, two years at eleven million, which that was a little bit more in the Reds' ballpark, but even still, you're talking about mixing one of the deals for either Shogo, Nick Castellanos, or Mike Mostakis. And I don't think the Reds would have been better served to sign Daniel Hudson rather than one of those. And then dellen Batances and Blake Trinan, they they never were getting either one of those guys because they both signed for over $10 million for one year. So then you're looking at Craig Stammon, $4.5 million, Joe Smith at $4 million. Guys, that when they signed her, like even Steve Cishek went from the Cubs to the White Sox for six million at one year. I love the deal that the Reds got for Pedro Strop at one point eight million on a one-year show me deal. The rest of these guys that are signing signed for the kind of money that would have taken the Reds took would have taken took not a word would have taken the Reds out of the market for a guy like Mustakis or a guy like castellanos and i'd rather have both of those guys than any one of those relievers because i'm a big believer that relief pitching is a fickle friend you can be really good one year and you can be really bad the next year just look at david hernandez and jared hughes the reds felt it was time to move on from them and how good were they the couple of years before that they were probably our best two guys in the bullpen other than Rysal Iglesias, and so then they just fall off the face of the earth. Now you have Michael Lorenzen, Amir Garrett, and Robert Stevenson up at the top there with Iglesias. And Iglesias may have even felt fallen down somewhere in that pack, not necessarily considered the ace of the bullpen anymore. You could probably make the argument, and maybe this will be a podcast later on that Michael Lorenzen should be the closer. But that, like I said, is a topic for another podcast. What we're looking at here is how the Reds could have better improved their bullpen and what that would have done to the way that they attack this offseason. They looked at what they needed. They looked at how they performed, especially early on last year. The pitching was fine. And maybe David Bell learns from his mentality of managing every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series although we mentioned that may be a little bit more necessary in a very shortened season of down to 60 games or even shorter than that. Every game is going to be more magnified. It's probably going to be better suited that he manages it like game seven. So the pitching was fine. As far as numbers were concerned, they were pretty good. You know, top half of the league, at least in the majors. And then probably top five as far as nationally goes, and that's breaking it down through that first 60 games. I didn't go that far into the statistical numbers because sometimes when I'm looking at numbers, my eyes just glaze over. But I love baseball statistics, don't get me wrong. It's just when I looked at this, I did not see a need for the Reds to go take that contract that they gave to Nick Castellanos or that number of dollars that they gave to Shogo Akiyama and throw it at a Sergio Romo or a Jake Diekman, or a Joe Smith. Whatever, man. I mean, Matt Bowman showed some pretty good talent, and they still got him in a very, very friendly deal because it's, you know, Major League Minimum. They've still got some promising talent in Cody Reed on the roster. And you've got those prove-it deals who, you know, Tyler Thornburg and Nate Jones have shown talent in the past. They've just been hurt. Who knows, if they're healthy, maybe they can contribute. I like what the Reds did with the bullpen. I don't think it will be an issue. We'll talk tomorrow, though, about something that I do think the Reds will have a little bit of a problem with, and we'll see, hopefully, hopefully we'll see if we get a baseball season, we'll see if the Reds can overcome what I think would be that problem. But that'll be it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Now tell your smart device to play Locked On Major League Baseball. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.